we harm ourselves in a very unexpected way, I think, when we portion ourselves off to these different areas of life. Now I'm going to be the professional and now I'm going to be the mover. And so we essentially make ourselves smaller to fit roles. This is also the very basis upon which whole system human is constructed. This idea that we are total beings and we get to bring the whole force of that being into any given interaction. It doesn't matter what it is. So this was a lesson I had to be led into through experience, right? Welcome to This Thing Called Movement, a podcast exploring the medium of movement and looking into how it has the capacity to transform not only our physical bodies, but potentially every other facet of our lives. I'm your host, Marie Janicek a movement guide here to help people find their own unique and authentic relationship to movement through creativity, curiosity, and self-expression. Join me as I dive into deep conversations with a wide variety of individuals from many different fields and backgrounds. Together, we'll gain insight into their own unique movement experiences, the transformations that resulted, and how movement has affected their lives at large. I hope these recorded conversations will inspire and empower you to find your own unique movement journey in your life in your own way. I am so, so excited to share this episode with you all. It's It's been one of my favorites that I've gotten to put together, and I've been waiting a few months to be able to release it, and that moment is now. Today's episode features a very close friend of mine, Tim Brainerd. Tim is the founder and inventor of Whole System Human. Whole System Human is his unique synthesis and collection of practices and methodologies to help clients get into contact with their authentic selves in the most elegant way possible. And Tim and I discussed so many things that I am obsessed with and passionate about. And one of the common threads that led us throughout this interview process was actually the complexity of words and the way words can hold space for specific ideas and feelings as a container. And yet also at the same time, hold so much capacity for versatility depending on individual experience. We also discussed the importance of concepts like yin and yang and how something like the duality of yin and yang and that interconnectedness proliferates not only in movement practices, but also in relationship to ourselves. We 
also got to dig a little bit into this term of relationship and its importance relative to movement. And then finally, one of my favorite points of this conversation was a component of Tim's definition of the concept of movement and how it shaped his life in regards to sensitivity. So I hope you guys enjoy listening to this episode as much as I did recording it. For now, just go ahead and sit back, relax, and allow these words to wash over you. Welcome! (laughs) So, Tim, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience here today. Okay. (laughs) Hi, I'm Tim Brainerd. I'm the inventor and founder of Whole System Human, and I always like to refer to myself as a full-time human anytime that anyone asks me what it is that I do. That's the (laughs) response. I just beat Tim as best I can. Oh. So there's there's your uh, brief introduction. Brief introduction. Well, I actually would love to take it a little bit deeper. Okay. So what is Whole System Human? I've dabbled in your site. And of course, I know a little bit through our conversations. But if you could actually give us a more detailed overview of what Whole System is, what it does, what it helps people with, all of those stuff. Okay, sure. So dabbling in the site makes a lot of sense because it's a rather in-depth sort of experience, even just on the website itself. Um, describing whole system human is always a little bit of a trick because it's so individual once you get into the experience of it. Mm -hmm. But if I were to pin a word to what whole system human intends to represent, it is the word experience. There's something about what I've intended to create there that is driven toward bringing the person into their body and into their everyday lived experience in a way that I think is very different from anything that I've personally engaged with in the past. So ultimately what, what we're focusing all of this effort and work and intention towards within the context of whole system human is developing a means of sustaining a way of being in life that is elegant and authentic to the individual. Mm. So the, be- the beauty of that is that as individuals, every single one of us is just immeasurably unique. There's, there's such beauty and depth and dimension to the, the truth of who each of us is at our core but accessing that core and then bringing it to life in the everyday mechanisms of our experience, that's something special and challenging in many cases. Uh, And that's essentially what what my work is focused on helping to tap into and bring online. One thing I really loved was your use of the words elegant and sustainable. Mm. Um, And, you know, we we love to geek out on the importance of words. I think it's actually how we even connected, right? You were you would like write me these really long responses on a lot of the posts I was generating at the time and just talking about the words. I would love to hear more of your take on choosing those two words, elegant and sustainable, and mm. where those come from and how they have become the cornerstone of what you've created with Whole System Human. Okay, well, I love you for noticing those. And, and you've really like plugged into something that is as you guessed, not in any way arbitrary for me. Mm. These words are extremely important uh, and they took a lot of time to decide on. Uh, I actually learned about the value of words uh, and the way that they connect to us and how they imprint on us through my studies in hypnosis and neuro-linguistic programming and some of these other kind of more psychologically based methodologies. 
uh, words have always been important to me as a writer and as a poet and as a musician. There's always something, uh, there's something artistic about words, but I had never quite connected how those words imprint not just our minds, but really the the very person that we are. We literally live through words. So for me, choosing a word like elegant took quite a bit of time. Initially, the word was effortless. I was working oh. with uh, the idea of effortless power, of organizing the being in such a way that we could move through life or move through an experience or um, even uh, functionally make use of the body in a way that allowed for this effortless power. So that's what I was getting at with this idea of elegance. But for me, it wasn't so much about the power. It was about the the grace, the gracefulness of it. So then there's like effortlessness, there's gracefulness, and uh, there's poise. There's something uh, deeply intentional about this world that I was attempting to encapsulate in a word. And, and when I got the sense for it, the word that continually showed up was elegant. It was actually weeks of of the word showing itself to me and me being like, no, no, that's, that's not the word. It's too like it's, Yeah. I was like, it's too feminine. It's too, uh, it's too smart. Uh, but ultimately of course I did, I chose the word elegant. And so this is a word that shows up for me time and time again, because it has to do with how we uh, organize ourselves and make use of ourselves in real time. Mm-hmm. So it's something that I intend to live through. And it's something that as I'm working with people, I'm helping them to, uh, not just cultivate that in themselves, but really um, evoke it from themselves. Because I believe it's something that's very uh, natural to all of us to mm-hmm. move through life in this way that is authentic and elegant. So those two words are tied as well, authenticity and elegance. Yeah. I actually, as you were talking, I was thinking about how actually there's a very significant difference between those words effortless and elegant. And there's a set that like you mentioned poise, which was one of the first things I was thinking of, like, what's another synonym? But also that within elegance, there is kind of a power yes. there. There's a command there good, that isn't necessarily in effortlessness, right? Effortlessness provide it. It insinuates freedom, right? And mm-hmm. kind of like a sense of being able to make choices on a whim and just like that sense of flow but there's something about elegance that actually holds a lot more power in there and kind of um a lot more autonomy that that's one of my big words authenticity and autonomy (laughs) yeah you're right there's something it's it's almost implicit like it underpins the idea Mm -hmm. it's a ground Hmm. i like that yeah. Your your uh, sensory connection to words is very impressive to me. Not everyone has this, but I would love for more people to understand and to uh, really begin to benefit from the value that comes from finding and applying and living through these sort of words. Yeah. Well, I think for me, it comes so much through my meditation work because uh, in the meditation work that I do, it's about connecting to a feeling when you have an idea of what you're trying to bring into your life because usually like the things you're trying to bring in are are something to bring in a feeling that you feel that you're missing so that specificity around feeling you probably already noticed I closed my eyes for a moment I was trying to like describe what it felt like and it's it's because it's been just so beneficial for me to give myself the space to really feel into a feeling and then to allow myself to feel how a word or an idea shapes feelings yes and 
then I have a lot more clarity around what stuff it is I actually want to move towards and what stuff I'm moving away from and what I want to bring into my life more and cultivate and expand and then what I'm like done with and ready to shed. Yeah, I love that. So there's something about words then. It's hilarious that we're we're here to talk about movement and somehow we're talking about words. This is totally my kind oh, of conversation. Oh, I have a connection there. I have a connection oh, okay, there. perfect. <laughs> there's something about words that they act as containers uh-huh. on the one hand and as orient, uh, systems of orientation or like directives on the other. So you do get to move towards something and away from something else simply by virtue of the way that you're crafting the story. And then uh, finding a single word to contain so much, there's, it's fractal. The word elegant is a single word. And yet it just contains all of this history and decisions and all sorts of really good stuff for me. So I love that you already experienced that for yourself. I'm not the least bit surprised. <laughs> well, you know, what I was going to say is you're like, oh, we're supposed to talk about movement. But that's actually why I chose the word movement and why this whole podcast is about unpacking the word movement. Oh, brilliant. Because the word itself holds so much value. And I love that we got to start talking about the significance of words because that's how this podcast was born. Oh, great. Um, I was talking about movement all the time. I don't actually know if I've told you this story or you guys this story. Yeah, I definitely (laughs) So I was posting about movement and then I realized when I say movement, I have this whole library of experiences and you know my own internal connections like the way I map it and see it in the world and then I thought that's actually unique to me and when I say that movement I have this whole thing that I connect into and -hmm. nobody else does yes everybody else has something completely different so I think by extension of using this word there's clarity and there is no clarity there's actually a lot of ambiguity so I thought oh, I hear I thought I was communicating and maybe I'm actually not. So I posed a question on my Instagram through a video. I asked people to tell me how they would define movement. Being curious what was going to happen. And I was actually expecting people to get very literal. And people got very ethereal and esoteric and metaphysical. And I was like, Oh, interesting. So, you know, the way we engage with movement tends to be in a very linear, physically driven fashion, Mm -hmm. a very limiting fashion. But then when you give a person the word, they automatically will shift to all sorts of different associations that don't have to do with the body and moving through time and space. And so then I thought, that's really interesting that people actually want to go there with this naturally because I love going there with this. And then I thought it would be really valuable to have a library of, or like a catalog of discussions that hold space for every person's unique experience and journey with movement to get a sense of what their own like map is with that word, all the connections that they've created, whether it is simply the physical movement that they do, or it's the movement of their life as they transition from Mm. careers to ideas and and different concepts and different ways of orienting and organizing. But that, and then I actually, one of my first interviews uh, was with a friend who's out in Germany. And she mentioned that in English, the word movement holds so much more than it does in German. Oh, I didn't know this. Yeah. And then I thought, this is super cool that, you know, we get to unpack it in this language where it means so much versus if, you know, I was born somewhere else, maybe I wouldn't have had that association with it. Sure. That's great. I love I love that uh, that technical association, which I think at this point has become the mainstream association. Mm. Right. 
And then you're dealing with something so much more poetic in reality as you move that word into the context of our lives. So that's great. I'm actually very impressed that you were surprised to hear those sort of responses showing up. That means that people who are connected to you are connecting to so much more than just how you move. Yeah. That's great. Well, that's what I want. Yeah, of course. Because <laughs> that's where it gets fun, you know, when you can engage in a movement practice and then be like, oh, there's this lesson and this lesson. Mm-hmm. And oh, that thing I did when I was, you know, playing with my movement stuff. Now I can play with my work stuff or like play with my way of interacting people, play with my way of being in the world. I yes. mean, play has been such a significant focus for me these last few months, as you know. Yes. And um, it's it would not have been born if it had not been generated or planted in my movement experience. Yeah. Yeah, that I fully believe. And I believe for myself, that's very much what drew me to your work in the beginning is is the way that you incorporated all of these elements into something as otherwise basic as a Facebook post. Mm-hmm. So my long responses were authentic. I mean, I couldn't help, but there was like emotion inside of your posts. And I, I recognized that to be unique, especially since I was paying attention to so many other of these movement categories and and the, there wasn't quite as much dimensionality to them uh, in my experience. So there was something fresh here. Mm. So all of that is to say I'm super lucky to be sitting across from you because oh this my is gosh. Right my alley too. I, well, for me, like having somebody give me such deep feedback right away was like, it was mind boggling and then also terrifying at the same time because <laughs> it was like, I'm not supposed to get like this cohesive and coherent and also in-depth of response from people like that's not the norm but it was really exciting to to feel so seen and heard and valued uh, for all these dimensions that I wanted to bring across and I wasn't sure if I was so that was that was a real treat for me too great well you nailed it and continue to this podcast is is right in line with all of that Mm -hmm. and this is something you and I love to geek about too is the, the way that being inside of our zone of genius creates some special kind of vortex and it's like you you don't need to try to become noticed so much as just be who you are and be interested in the things that you're interested in and be in love with the things that you love and something about that i mean you know what a tim shows up on your facebook profile out of nowhere it's meaningful yeah yeah yeah, well, why don't we actually take things back into your history a little bit now? Sure. Because we do want to learn more about you. Um, what has been your movement journey? And you can mm. feel free to take that big word of movement and chart it through any direction that you'd like. Uh, usually, I position this in the frame of body movement. Sure. But like whatever movement journey you want to take us on today. Okay. I would love that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it's actually going to be fun for me to think back uh historically so if i if i if i go to the beginning i have to say it was probably when i was a very young child and i remember watching the olympics and there were certain categories that always fascinated me as a young child um the first one was gymnastics i always loved gymnastics it just blew my mind what people were able to do Um, and even as a child i wanted to be a gymnast when i grew up it was one of those things um, diving was another one. Something about the way that these bodies just moved through the air is so graceful. Mm. Uh, so that gymnastics, diving, and figure skating. And so you can begin to see a theme here, even as a, a very 
young child, I was I was recognizing these expressions of grace, and then not just gracefulness, but also control. There was something about how, in order to exhibit such ease in the body, there was such a, an immense uh, requirement for control. You used the word command earlier. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, the correct word here. And so, even at however old I was, I, I don't, I'm not good with that sort of thing. Young. Um, <laughs> I was a youngin. <laughs> yeah. Even then, my everything in me was lit up by mm-hmm. these factors. So, I think that's where it all began. Uh, now, growing up into adulthood, I didn't classically train in any any form of movement whatsoever. I was athletic. I loved to play. Um, played multiple sports, but uh, I was never allowed to be a gymnast <laughs> uh, for reasons of safety on the one hand. And also, I think I was a bit more rotund in those days. <laughs> I, was, I was a little porky. Uh, fellow, porky little fellow. Anyway. Um, so hard to imagine. Right? Yeah, right. And so um, it wasn't until my 20s that I began to take movement as a practice mm. much more seriously. In my early 20s, I discovered the martial arts. Ah. And so for me... Uh, very much of my history contains movement through various forms of the martial arts. And uh, at the time I was living in Ohio and I totally lucked out. I found this guy in Oberlin, Ohio, of all places, basically the middle of nowhere, who was highly advanced in multiple forms of internal martial arts. And he was not the sort of person who worked with or trained anyone. He had two guys that he had been training for a period of like six to eight years. And I found him online. And at first, he wouldn't even talk to me. And it took a a series of communications before he was willing to meet me in person. And then only after that and kind of getting to know me and seeing how serious I was about learning from him, was he willing to take me under his wing. Wow. So it was, I love that it was a, a journey even just to access the material that I was able to experience through him. Um, but as a result of working with Jay, I learned uh, some advanced forms of Qigong mm-hmm. and its internal um, variation, which is Neigong. Uh, those were both deeply effective for me. They, mm-hmm. they mattered a lot. And as I began to develop in those areas, he trained me in 10 animals boxing kung fu. Oh. Which is just so much fun to say. Every time I say it, I, there's this like ego. I mean, it's like, haha, no one's heard of that before, you know? <laughs> so horrible, but it was so much fun and uh, so nuanced. And as if that wasn't juicy enough, he also uh, began to train me in Baguazam, which is oh. even more complex and even more ancient wow. of a form dealing in spirals. I mean, just really cool stuff. Mm. So I was beginning to use my body in all new ways. Um, and then I was beginning to understand the way that my body related to people and to objects and even to the, you know, space, I guess, uh, in a whole new way as well. And because these were internal arts, there was a lot more than just movement in them. It wasn't just about moving my arm in a certain way. Uh, it was, it was about the whole, the whole constellation of effects that occurs there between the interrelation of mind and body and emotion and just a lot of fun. Mm. So moving through those, somehow I ended up in uh, self-defense form of Krav Maga and I trained Krav Maga for a period of time, a couple of years. And it was basically the yang to the yin of everything I had been doing before. The internal martial arts are very soft and they have to do with this effortless power. Mm. 
something like Krav Maga is quite the opposite of that. It's exceptionally functional. It's very basic. It's made to be memorized and then, and then it's made to show up as like a nervous system response to some kind of a, like a violent stimulus. So in Krav Maga, I was training uh, more sequential uh, movements. I was training ground fighting. I was training knife fighting. I was figuring out how to uh, disarm a weapon, you know, these sort of things. And it was a very different sort of experience from, you know, these graceful movements in the field that I was doing with Jay years prior. Mm. Um, I should mention Tai Chi, of course, that everyone kind of moves through Tai Chi as they're exploring this sort of material. Um, so this all takes us to maybe, I don't know, t- 2015, that time frame. Uh, and I was training all of this stuff. When I started, it was about 10 years ago. Uh, and then there was a bit of a lull. And it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I rediscovered uh, my, I guess, my love for the art of martial arts. But I knew I didn't want to do something like Krav Maga. After having kind of held both options in hand, I, I preferred what I was what I was gaining from the, the more subtle movements mm-hmm. um, because there was more depth to what was happening there. This really does take me to some of the most important insights of my entire life. And, and I love that they are tied to movement and that we get to discuss them here today. Um, prior to the experience I'm about to share with you, you could think of the way that I was coming at this material as, uh, as almost on separate tracks. There was something in, in my, my way of understanding them that segmented the movement practice itself from some of these other things that I cared about or was mm. studying. For instance, I was studying human health and that was one track. I was studying uh, psychology, philosophy, belief systems. That was another track. Uh, and then of course, there was a track of my everyday life which in- involved and required going to work every day and dealing with people and, all of, and paying the bills. And then of course, there was my hobby which was movement. Um, you know, over time what happened is some of these tracks started to integrate where they weren't so separate anymore. And early on, I realized that the work that I was doing in some of these soft martial arts was in fact affecting the way that I thought. So there was a way that they were meditative and uh, this, this affected my psychology. It affected the way that I experienced life. So they were connected to my philosophies and my belief systems. They were affecting my health. So I'm starting to get a sense for how there's crossover in tracks that I would otherwise segment. Mm. but it was never so much conscious. It was just something that I lived into. Mm-hmm. Um, but a I couple like of that. years ago, yeah, okay, good, because you already live inside of this integration. Yeah, and that's something, of course, as we said, that I noticed in you immediately. But it is not something that everyone is living inside of, and it's incredibly important to live inside of it. Yeah, we 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 harm ourselves in a in a very un- unexpected way, I think, when we when we portion ourselves off to these different areas of life and now now I'm going to be the professional and now I'm going to be the mover and so we essentially make ourselves smaller to fit roles yeah this is also uh, the very uh, basis upon which whole system human is uh, constructed this idea that we are total beings and we get to bring the whole force of that being into any given interaction it doesn't matter what it is so this was a lesson I had to be um, led into through experience, right? And so that's where our story brings us now because a couple of years ago I discovered uh, another martial art form that's actually um, based out of Yonkers, New York. And 
the the guy who invented this system is just a pure genius. His name is John Perkins, and the system is known as Guided Chaos. And it's it's such a ninja system too because it's cloaked in this um, self defense combat system conversation. It's got this this kind of like Krav Maga uh, feel about it when you look at it on the face, but inside of it is an art form. I mean, just just the most exquisite art form ever. And uh, the founder John embodies the art of this in every step Hmm. and um it's just unlike anything i've ever seen this guy is a living master Um, i initially flew to new york to train with him after about a year in training with the system in san francisco and then after a single weekend workshop i knew that i had to move to the east coast just to be closer to what was happening wow so there's there's a high level of importance that i place on this material and what it meant for me at the same time as i was exploring that I was also involving myself in a very uh, in-depth study on embodiment practices more generally mm-hmm. um, and, how, and how they connect to our experience in life. And I was studying uh, another just master of movement named Peter Ralston. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. No, I have not. But I think like this whole world of martial arts is probably one of the worlds that I'm not as familiar with. Okay. Like my dabbling in martial arts was very... Few and far between. I think my main connection was actually like a few semi-private lessons with Kali stick fighting. Ooh, that's um, fun <laughs> Which was so illuminating for me because as somebody who lives in the space of improvisation and unpredictability and chaos, yes. uh, it was the total, again, if you have a spectrum of just like chaos itself, there's like, or or um, improvisation itself. I think there, there's like a layer you could have where on one end it's purely fun and, and creative and playful. And then yes. there's the survival element where it's reactive and quick right. and, um, and you know, for survival. And so I remember going into that and being like, this is a totally different way of navigating body and, and my innate creativity that I've never been exposed to. I should do this more. And then uh, for several reasons, number one, the person I was working with, this was back when I was uh, working at Equinox. And so when I was fired unexpectedly, I wasn't able to continue meeting with him in the clubs because okay. I wasn't allowed to come back in. So I like I wasn't able to continue and he gave me some places to look at, but I was so lost in, you know, building my private sure, business, yes. making it. <laughs> yes. So that that kind of fell off the wagon. Maybe there's something in it for you then in the future. I think so. I've been I've been playing around with like where to start and like where my next nugget of inspiration is gonna come from. Well, we're sitting in Brooklyn now, and I don't know the area well enough to determine how far away from Yonkers it would be for you to visit. But, um, and one way or another, I would love to coordinate. I think I'm going to figure this out. Okay. (laughs) We're going to figure this out. Yeah, because this system is, and this is a bit of a digression, um, but it's just, it it really is based in everything that you just described. Um, It's really what makes it an art is that it's based in principles of movement. Mm -hmm. Something like uh, Krav Maga, and, and keep in mind, 
these are when I'm discussing these different things, I'm discussing them through my experience and personal preferences. There, we're not really weighing pros and cons. Yeah, it's not which one's better than the next. Of course. Um, of course, I have my opinions about these things, but that says nothing about the systems themselves. My experience of Krav Magas and 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 a lot of the hard form martial arts like this have to do with almost a mathematical quality of function. If someone mm. comes at you with a right punch, then you're going to block this way. There's there's um, an if then almost programmed sequential um, way of engaging this information. That's mm-hmm. the point of the material. Mm-hmm. However, when you deepen into an experience of something over time, eventually you have to move past these sequences and you have yes. to begin to embody something yes. new. And when you talk about survival, the reality is on you know if we're talking about survival on the street, you're not going to have. Uh, someone who wants to mug you broadcasting which arm they're going to throw a punch with. Mm -hmm. They may not even throw a punch. They might Mm -hmm. jump out from behind a a wall and just bulldoze you. You don't Mm -hmm. know what to expect. Mm -hmm. So what you have to begin training at a certain point is the capacity within yourself to respond appropriately to whatever situation may arise. Mm -hmm. Now you're in a whole new territory. Now you know nothing. That's the new variable. You went from knowing this was coming, then I do that, to clean slate, anything in the world could happen. This is the space of chaos. Mm -hmm. It's a space of improvisation. And how do you even begin to train the nervous system to respond appropriately in those sort of situations? This is an extremely exciting question for me. Mm. And that's essentially what Guided Chaos explores is how to train um, adaptation in the moment, how to train a way of being in the body at all times so that you're capable of responding to things effectively and appropriately even under duress Mm -hmm. so um in my opinion the problem with segmenting an art form like that to self-defense is you're basically carrying around the fear of being attacked in order to maintain this way of being i don't prefer to do that i i like the thought of taking the art form taking the principles of adaptation and improvisation this creative way of living and moving uh through life Uh, I like to take that into all areas of life. And so this is essentially what began to happen for me as I was studying this art form, studying uh, some of the greats like Peter Ralston, studying uh, these other embodiment practices. I began to recognize that there's something about how my mind was segmenting movement and the body as separate from decision making and, uh, you know, all these other so-called internal aspects of my existence at a certain point they just indelibly fused. Mm-hmm. And and at that point is when everything changed for me. Mm-hmm. I was able to take something that was uh, situated as, you know, this hour's uh, training and, and extend it or integrate it into the everyday uh, movements of my mm-hmm. life and interactions of my life. And I was beginning to see how the principles of movement that I was, pra- that I was training um, within the context of self-defense were all of a sudden showing up in the context of relationships and conversation and, and all of a sudden the way that I was organizing my body in order to have that, that speed and that agility and, and everything in um, training, I could, I could organize my body in the same way when I was you know, lugging uh, a bag onto an, onto an airplane or pushing a grocery cart. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was greater than the corner I had stuck it in, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, I, I can see by your eyes that there's so much to add. Yeah, so I know. I, I like you like saw like I had this mm-hmm. wave of electricity come mm-hmm. to my body when you started talking We've about how it connects. That. I mean, <laughs> I it, I have this love affair with movement and um, all like 
it's it's just such a rich and deep vessel. Yes. And it's infinite in its wisdom. It's infinite in its guidance and you know, I I was having a great conversation with one of my clients, somebody who I worked with for I think close to four, maybe even five years now. And so she started off with me before I was really speaking about this with people because this was how I lived. And you mentioned this earlier that like your my ability for to live in the movement and to have it so connected is not common. It took me a really long time to understand that because sure. this was just so natural to me. This is just how I was. And I I was so confused watching people move and be so disconnected from the feeling or or I would watch people compartmentalize and this was very startling to me as a trainer you know coming from dance where this most successful dancers like they lived and breathed in their body like you knew to become a successful professional or choreographer like you had you had to like let it consume you if you couldn't yeah, okay. do that you didn't have a shot uh, that's why I fell in love with it because that was the one place I felt my authenticity. Mm. That was the one place growing up where I felt the freedom to be me because everywhere else I was trying to fit some mold that didn't sure. feel right. So it was my saving grace. But then I get into training and I just watch people like it, like this weird mechanical thing of you get to position A in your deadlift and then get to position B at the top, mm. and then you go back to A, and they're not watching what's happening in between. Yeah, great. They're not watching the feeling of like how the body is like like shifting and and kind of guiding and directing that energy, and what's the quality of that energy. Yes. And yet, people are reading these subtler signals of movement subconsciously sure all the time. Yes. It's why whenever like I train, people are always like. Like, I'm aware that people stop to watch, and I'm not saying this as, like, oh, because I'm so amazing. But it's, <laughs> um, but it's because, like, when I come in, I have command. Like, yes. this is my time to be fully integrated. People feel that. Mm -hmm. It is a language. It's a way of communicating that people are not even aware of. But it, it, it just so in, innately tapped into our evolutionary biology and yes. how we function. And... And then to watch trainers not be engaging with that was really frustrating to me. So I was speaking with my client about this yesterday because she's been one person who, as I've, as I've been on this journey within myself, I've allowed myself to share it with her. And she's in her 70s. And she has just become so transformed and lit up in the last year. Wow. Um, because now when we step into session, she wants to tell me about all the ways she's been connecting to her body and movement throughout her day. Beautiful. You know, and it, it is no longer this thing of I didn't do my homework. I didn't yeah, do right. it. It's like, you know, like I just, I, I really wanted to play around with the scorpion reach because I wanted to feel the float, you know, and <laughs> I don't know if I got it, but it was fun to play or like, and she's like, I just have so much more sense of my capacity and, and you know my freedom that I never thought was possible, and it, everything just feels so much more beautiful. And I was like, yes. oh, like it's so nice <laughs> to watch that connecting moment for people. And if it can happen to somebody in their seventies who's like never really had a strong connection to their body before, it's available yes. to everybody and yes. anybody as long as you're willing to take a moment to contemplate it, and then right. and then be able to see and feel into that possibility that like, oh, maybe there's something here that I haven't really given myself permission to lean into until yes. now.
Well, it's, it's in the investigative quality. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, it is about play. And I love what you said, where uh, oftentimes, especially early on, when we're learning something, we're very focused on getting it right. And so you get things right in the way that you do math. Like I was saying earlier, there's a sequence. Mm -hmm. You do this, and then you do that, and then you do this, and then you look at teacher and you say, thumbs up, did I do good? Mm -hmm. But as you mature, and this is essentially a, a process of maturation, I believe, the, the quality of the material deepens mm -hmm. and you begin to recognize more and more nuances in the space between. Essentially what you're developing is sensitivity, mm -hmm. but it has to be allowed. So on the one hand, you have to know that it's available, that in between those, those stopping points that you started with is just an in, in infinity of, uh, you, you said language, of uh, exploration. Mm -hmm. There's just so much territory there to be explored. Um, so you have to know that it's available and then you have to allow yourself to enter that. And this is another, this is a, another uh, trick for the ego. When we want to be very good at something, it's easier to stay on that top layer. Mm -hmm. It's easier to, to master steps than it is to step into the great unknown of something that essentially is going to be a lifelong investigation. Mm -hmm. so, so you almost have these layers of mastery. But on the level that you operate and on the level that I want to operate and on the level that I think we both want to invite our clients and our friends into, it has to do with deepening the experience so that your sensitivity is capable of engaging with all that, all that space in between. Yeah. You know, and I actually, I've been in this place the last three or four months where I've been really grappling with this idea of structure um, and when and what constraints we put around structure, especially when it comes to exploration and creativity mm -hmm. and yes. also chaos. Um, because as I've been playing around with the importance of lack of structure and chaos and creativity, I've been getting, whenever I mention this to people, and this has been very predominant, especially in the fitness and now the movement spaces, where it's important to have structure before you have creativity, sure. or you need, you need structure before you go into chaos. And I don't agree. <laughs> I really don't agree. I actually, I, I continuously get frustrated the more I hear this because I, it's a belief. And, you know, I, I debunked this a lot in my social media, especially over my Instagram this week, the fact that these things are a scale. So uh, the problem with, where mo most people look at unstructured chaos and creativity, they're looking at it from the scale of like the greatest possibility it could be, sure, like yeah, total right. total unrestricted freedom. And, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of in-between yes. there. Like if you're looking at that spectrum, you got the structure and then the chaos, like you could be incredibly structured and then like loosen it, loosen it, and then it starts to go into the crazy, like yeah. whatever, but you have all <laughs> that space in between. So I'm not saying you have to start here, but I'm saying you can start on the other side of that, you know, yes. uh, that top line and, and start <laughs> moving into that creative space and you don't have to wait till you've mastered structure to do it. Yes. In fact, my experience has been mastery of that creative chaotic component along with mastery of structure, playing along yes. those scales is actually way more beneficial than limiting yourself to having to learn one to do the other. And I see this as like this, not even just a belief system, it's become a truism. It's just yeah. like what people it's are assumed. like, yes. And it's, um, that's something I'm really interested in debunking because I think it limits us. It limits our growth 
far more than we're aware of. And and you will not get better at your creativity unless you engage in that skill and vice versa. Your structure will not be as refined or precise if you are not learning what it means to be outside of that. Yes. And I have to say that I love how willing you are to put your foot down on that. The minute you said, <laughs> I don't, I don't agree. <laughs> I, I'm with you. There's, there's, and, and here's why. Look at how we're already programmed, already trained by life. We've got, we've got the, the left mind structured down pat. Whether or not we have it in a specific area or not, at this point, is kind of irrelevant. What we're doing is we're not training systems when we're training these systems. We're training ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're training the way our minds work. We're training our ways of being in life. This is the whole point of uh, bringing a, 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 an idea like movement uh, deeper. Yeah. Uh, so, so as far as I'm concerned, we, we've all got a pretty good handle on how to sequentially relate to these sort of ideas and this sort of material. In order to stretch the boundaries of what we know, we have to step into this great unknown. And if we're talking about creativity and what is possible for us when we're in that deep well of infinite space that is truly creative space and originality, um, we're essentially speaking to the very same concepts that I connected to so early on, these concepts of yin and yang, mm-hmm. the, the Chinese uh, very, very ancient ideas of duality. Yeah. So, I mean, without going too deep into this, something that always fascinates me about it is that um, societally and as humans at this point, we really tend to be more young. We tend to be more forceful. We tend to be more mm-hmm. uh, logical. There's something that's that's very hard about our way of, of making decisions, moving through life, and even moving in the body. Mm-hmm. This is why we carry so much tension. I mean, there's a lot that goes into this. We're literally physically, structurally hard. We're young all the mm-hmm. time. However, young was never intended to be this holding place. Yin is a holding place. Yin is that feminine, uh, sensitive, soft ground. It, there's something that's, that's um, it's funny because it is soft and it is sensitive and it's all, of these, um, it's all of these things, but it's also the ground from which yang, the fertility, can arise. Yin is the womb space. This is where we, we go into this imaginative zone with no concept for what exists. And it's like roots versus the tree. Yes, that's exactly right. But the roots, you have to start there. Yeah. And the roots is where all the nourishment comes from. Mm-hmm. And so in order to have these expressive, uh, beautiful um, creations, you first have to enter the darkness of yin. And so truly, if we're, if we're holding those two in hand and we're attempting to understand where our um, most beneficial position would be from which to operate in life, it would probably be to to center, to root in that that space of ease and not knowing and chaos and darkness, the yin space, mm-hmm. in order that as the opportunities arise for expression and for creativity and for growth and for conversation and all these different like sparks of light that are young, we're available to them. If we hold ourselves in the tension of fire all the time, the system just eventually just implodes. I mean, it yeah. can't it can't contain so much energy all at once. So I love the way all of this comes together. Oh my gosh, it's so good. You'd almost think we scripted it. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't though, for the record. Uh, yeah, yeah, always improvisatory. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's actually take this into kind of the cornerstone question of this okay. whole podcast, which is 
What is your definition of movement? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, that's a fun question. So you're the one who really helped me to start to ask this question. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So this is something I've been sitting with for, for a while. I mean, I had a lot of words that I was working with and I was building roots into, but movement wasn't one of them until I started paying attention to your work. So it's funny. I was even thinking about this last night. I, I couldn't get to sleep because this question just kept running. And what I came to and have come to over time is essentially that for me, movement is the very basis of existence. Mm -hmm. Truly it is. Movement is, is the, uh, the way that duality expresses itself in form. Movement is the poetry. It's all that space in between. Movement is, um, it's a flow. I mean, we, this word is bandied about quite a bit, the idea of flow and the flow state. But truly, once we want to enter into that space between, um, between you know, the sequential steps that we're so used to, now we're inside of something. Now we're inside of movement. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, movement is, uh, it's a constellation of effects. It's physical, it's psychological, it's emotional, it's energetic, it's total. Mm -hmm. We're inside of it every single breath. Literally every breath is a movement. I yeah. mean, it's just, it's so musical and art artistic and just deep and complex and dimensioned. I love it. We can talk about it all day. It's symphonic. Ooh. Ooh. Orchestral, right? If you, I'm going to say that. Well, I love, you it know, is. I think for me, where my, where my obsession with movement and how it connects to so much more than just physical bodies in space was actually uh, when I started geeking out about space mm. through like the Cosmos documentary with Neil love, deGrasse oh, Tyson. Man, I that, yes. And um, I, 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 you could not, you could not pull me away from like all the reading and research I was doing about space. I was so fascinated by it. You're probably nonstop chills. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, you know, but like immediately positioning that to what happens on a cellular atomic level within the body and just seeing like this symphonic harmony of life yes and and the natural motion of life wh whether it is on the scale of universes and galaxies or whether yes. it's on the scale of like the atoms creating molecules and your cells communicating and and it's it's just so so like incredibly complex but mm -hmm. so well formed yes. and, and intelligent and and beautiful it's you know, I, I I was even thinking as you were giving your definition of movement, and this is in context of our personal conversations together, where we are talking about the movement of emotion, yes. right? Okay, um, great. Like unpacking, unpacking what's actually happening with emotions, like how to allow for them, how to flow within them, soften into them. I was even thinking of the idea of softening into receiving. Mm. Because when you're talking about yin and yang, how that's been the theme on my mind, this, you know, the, the give and take, right? The ability to yes. give and to receive and how in many ways you are not as one as practiced a giver if you do not know how to receive. And, and that's something sure. I've been playing around with for myself. Like, how can I open up and soften to receive and which I think That's is more great. the yin yes, concept, right? To, to be able to receive versus to always push and, yes. and give and demonstrate and Correct. guide and help. But when can I soften into the ability to receive information, people, thoughts, ideas, nourishment, rest, yes. you know, mm. whatever it might be in that moment. Wow. Love. I'm ready for a nap <laughs> right this second. 
it's it's absolutely true. You're dealing with openness, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and this is something that so many of the movement practices that I've really fallen in love with have have hinged on is this capacity to release and to open, mm-hmm. and and the capacity to do that in your physical body. Mm-hmm. I mean, this has such a huge effect on on who we are, how we move through life, the quality of our health, all of these different things. But of everything you said, the word symphonic is even now, it's just like running through my head because I've connected with uh, movement through music. I didn't mention it earlier, but as a musician, there's something about the way that music moves, the way that that it can crescendo, Mm -hmm. the way that that a story is told from the beginning to the end of a very good song, the way that the music moves you. Mm -hmm. And now if you think about this, if we get an image of music on a page, Say you have a symphony, and then this symphony is made up of a bunch of different instruments, and every single instrument has their page of music. Mm -hmm. And that page of music has dots on the page that are essentially telling them which single notes to play. Mm -hmm. What you have there is very much the more structured, the more uh, sequential, uh, at least visually speaking, you have something that appears to be sequential. And and yet, it is possible for that, that instrument to... Uh, relate to the instrument beside it and the other instrument. And yeah. we have a whole symphony of these uh, sequences that create something that is so, so far superior and so much more complex than any single sequence ever could be. Mm-hmm. That's movement. Mm-hmm. And you even have a way that each individual instrument can relate to the notes on its page with emotion. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you have someone who's not just, you know, hitting it at the right note and at the right timing. But you're you have someone who's emoting through the music, and there's even more complexity added to it. Then, mm-hmm. I mean, this is just like it's it's fractal. It's just like you said. There's a microcosm, there's a macrocosm of effects, and we're living inside of both simultaneously at all times. That's mm-hmm. what movement is. So then, that was the other thought that came to me: is that movement is also about relationship. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was another, already waiting to come out from you. Uh, wasn't it? <laughs> it's like another like obsession of mine this last week of like movement is a relationship and um this has been a big thing i've noticed is people are not in relationship to movement right now uh they don't know how to be it doesn't even occur to them and then um and it's a process to get back into that relationship of it which is like where i started creating my movement maps it's like a way to like step back and see what your relationship to looks like in the moment um i thought those were brilliant yeah they, they've been really fun i've had a lot of people like sharing and, and giving me theirs and yes. um i think on that table somewhere i've got like the more recent one where i mapped out uh how my movement practice shifted all over the map in the course of an hour based oh, wow. off of my inspiration so that was really fun um <laughs> but yeah, like this idea of it's a relationship. And um, just like any relationship, there's give and take, there's communication, you, it's, it's something you want to, you want to be connected to and aware of all the time versus just compartmentalizing and shifting into and out of yes. you're always living within it like correct yes. what you said earlier that that phrase has been sticking with with me and I think like this is a really profound way of thinking about it living within it yes yeah that's the feeling mm-hmm. I love that there's something about relationship that extends so far beyond any category that you try to squeeze it into mm-hmm. um, this definitely applies for movement and that's to me the most exciting part of it because until more recently 
it's not like I was in relationship with my own body. Mm-hmm. It's not like I had any concept for how my body was in relationship to the ground. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, I had a, a general understanding of how I related to other people, but yet again, these are ways that we compartmentalize uh, something that is intended to be something that we live inside of. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it, this, it goes on forever. And this is, this is the excitement that you and I get to um, experience and the inspiration that we get to just like have our minds blown about every single day. And it, it's truly what we intend to communicate to the people that we care about and the people that we work with. Mm-hmm. Because the quality of life, the quality of the experience that is possible for the person who really is even getting the slightest grasp on what we're discussing here far exceeds anything that the majority of people are living inside of now. Yeah. And that has nothing, I, I firmly believe that does not have anything to say about the quality of the person themselves. Because no. I believe that the quality of and the value of each of us is infinite, that you could just tap that for all time and then still have like lifetimes left to explore. But we've made ourselves small, we've been made small. And so the process of bringing all of the things, the languages that we're hearing and understanding and learning subconsciously bringing that forward, bringing the understanding of ourselves forward, finding that core and then allowing ourselves to live from it. This is a process and it is probably the most important process of our lives. Oh my gosh, that was chills. (laughs) That last bit, I was just Mm. like, oh, soaking in every word. Thank you. Oh, so good. Anyways. We speak speak the same language, (laughs) you know? Oh, yeah. So, Let's take this into the next vehicle um, or the next arena of this podcast, which is what are some of the gifts that movement has given you? Mm. Or do you have one that's overarching above all of them? So there have been a lot. I mean, you can kind of get a sense from where this conversation has gone that the whole structure and expression of my own individual life has been completely altered by everything that we've discussed. Um, So gifts, yes, I love to refer to them as superpowers because truly prior to this time, it's not like they existed as such. It's Mm -hmm. not like I was able to make use of half of the internal qualities that I now have uh, access to as as like a natural expression of who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, But the word that came immediately to mind, although there are a lot that I could use, the first word that came to mind was sensitivity. And when we're dealing in terms of relationship, there's something very special and important about this capacity to be sensitive to all of the the various factors involved, sensitive to ourselves and our own needs, sensitive to the other, sensitive to ourselves in space and time and environment. And there's just something about that for me that has been endlessly fascinating to explore. And for every minute of practice and for every tiny little step of progress, there's just so much more to uncover. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like to me. Um, so sensitivity. And there's something for me in that as well about um, the effortlessness. Because as we become more sensitive to things, we we require less force in interacting with them. So uh, Peter Ralston often talks about this idea of doing something as simple as pouring yourself tea uh, or brushing your teeth. You know, how tightly are you gripping the toothbrush? Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a subtlety that is allowed mm-hmm. in in our physical human experience. And we we have yet to really mind the depths of that. Yeah. So when we're dealing with sensitivity, we're also dealing with ease. For me, 
this is this is what I read into this and what I've experienced. And so there's this constant development of the self as more relaxed, as more at ease. There's more allowing, there's more flow, um, and it all kind of hinges on this base principle of sensitivity. You know, no one's actually said that one before. Ooh, yes. Yeah, I love being a first. I, I really, <laughs> I think it's a powerful one because... You know, I've, I've heard awareness has been brought up a lot, mm-hmm. which is true. But there's a different dimension to sensitivity. Yeah. And um, like you said, nuance. And you are talking about earlier, like along with mastery is this capacity to like filter into those in-between spaces yes. a little bit more. Uh, also something I was talking about this week with creativity, like you it there's something really powerful in that nuance subtlety which is directly aligned with sensitivity, you know? And I think uh, it's very easy for people to get lost in the big picture of things, whether in the macro, whether it's like where you're going in life and what your movement practice is and what your relationships look like. And and there's an element of sensitivity that requires you to be present. Yes, Moment to moment, right? Because if you're not, you will not catch it. It is slipping through your fingers all the time. So I love that you said that. I think that's a really important. It's also expansive. Mm-hmm. So you have to be present. And then the, the quality of that attention uh, that is possible for you in being present has to expand over time. So an example of that is uh, I remember training Guided Chaos early on, the guy who I was learning from. Uh, we had this, this practice that we referred to as contact flow. And so you would basically like touch hands and then and you would maintain connection with one another's hands as you're moving through space. Very similar to like contact improvisation. Yeah, I was going to say, I've done that before. It's yeah. super fun. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful practice. It's, so it's a totally different experience when you begin to integrate uh, like slow motion strikes mm-hmm. and things like this. So uh, I always used to get caught by this game. Uh, my trainer, Steve, would uh, play with me and, and I, would see, I would see the hand coming from my head. And I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm about to get a karate chop or a punch to the, to the old noggin, you know. <laughs> and I'm so focused on this that it, I'm not even recognizing the fist in my gut. And it's not until I'm basically bent over double that I realize all of my attention has been on the hand that's coming from my nose when, in fact, I've already been moved by the hand in my gut. Whoa. And so as careful as I was to be sensitive, the sensitivity needed to expand in order to encapsulate a greater area so to speak and just think about how that can apply to so many other situations in our life right yeah i was just even thinking like sensitivity and you said expand and then immediately i thought back to what we were talking about with like receiving and receiving being a state of openness right like that those things are they're all connected like your expansion doesn't happen unless you soften into the opening into the receptive Mm -hmm. mode and then that's where you can begin to like Hold space for sensitivity. Yes. Hold space for nuance. Mm, so good. Absolutely, yes. So opening, sensitivity, awareness, all of these words, they have to do with grounding too because as you're yeah. opening, you're deepening, <laughs> right? Yeah. So there's gravitas to this as well. Uh, uh, this is, this is that's what I meant by ground earlier mm-hmm. when we were talking about that. Truly what I was speaking of was not, not whether the ground is firm. I was speaking about the gravity. Yeah. And so, and so you're unmoved. Mm-hmm. when you can occupy that space. Mm-hmm. And this is the idea of the monk at the very center of the storm. And so there's chaos and all of these crazy uh, variables and elements and effects just swirling all around him and circumstances and mm-hmm. problems and situations. 
and and there's this person that is completely at ease in the very at the heart of it all and that's because that person can be connected to this ground or this gravity that you just described it's mm-hmm. the most beautiful thing in the world it's also the greatest area of possibility that the human being can experience in life mm-hmm. you know that's actually a big part of dr joe dispenza's work who is okay. as you know the mm-hmm. person that i've built my meditation practice from and he talks a lot about like that it's not about like you know what shifts in your life it's about the person you become and it's like when you're the person who can be completely steady and calm in the midst of chaos that's when you know you've arrived right if you if chaos doesn't phase you if you if everything falling apart around you does not sway you from who you are in that moment, that ability to be grounded and receptive and open. Yes. Like that's the true end game of the work, right? Yes. It's, uh, and I always love that. And, and I love being able to feel that ability sort of anchor its way into my state of being and become more and more powerful and steadfast with time and with the practice and then also developing that within all the other practices I work with. Yes, you can feel it. And there's so many different ways to model it. You know, you've got you've got the sage who models one variation on it. And so maybe maybe the sage is sitting similar to how we are, cross-legged <laughs> and, and very calm. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you've also got John Perkins, who I I don't know his age, maybe he's in his sixties and uh you know, he'll have five big brutes attack him at once. And and there's just the way that he's capable of handling this, they cannot move him. Wow. And these are trained fighters and mm-hmm. he cannot be moved. There's something about this connection to that space that just allows for superhuman capacity. So he's a model. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the person who can experience severe uh, emotion, who can experience deep wells of sadness or even rage, and yet there's something in them that is capable of, of holding that base despite the emotional effect. Mm-hmm. This is something that you and I have also explored quite a bit, and it's obviously super important to every human being alive. How do we maintain that position while in the midst of the chaos that is life? I, I personally, I have like a love-hate relationship with the word chaos because it's so perfect for <laughs> the way that we experience things, mm-hmm. but I actually find it very beautiful. You know, there's there's a lot of opportunity inside of chaos once you understand your relationship to it. And that's everything we've been discussing this whole time. I think if you filter out all the judgment and conditioning yes. around and the, the word. Fear and the- yeah, be- like, because that isn't what that word means to me, right? No. But I, I've taken a lot of time to, like, develop my own relationship yes. with that word. And, and um, I, I watched this special about four months ago on the Gaia Network with Ervin Laszlo, who used to be a concert pianist as a child. Mm. He was like a prodigy out in uh, Eastern Europe. And now he's a philosopher. And he actually, like, first, like, two lines of this special were about um, how the universe was born from chaos. Like, we were all born from chaos. And, like, even as children, we come into this world living in chaos, right, and lack of structure and creativity. Like, that is our nature. Yes. Chaos is the, it's sort of the the room that holds the symphony. Yes. Yeah, that's great. It holds a space for that order, that harmony, that uh, coherence, that intelligence. Mm. Like, 
that is where the good stuff is. That's where the yes. richness is. It's in the chaos. And uh, and that's why I love that word. I, I have a love affair with that word too. <laughs> it's so good. It's an expression of the chaos. Mm -hmm. it, and this is this is the thing that, that you and I will probably spend the rest of our lives getting excited about discussing mm -hmm. because it just does not end. Mm -hmm. I love the, I love that uh, chaos is the room that holds the symphony. Mm -hmm. I believe that to be true. Mm -hmm. Well, we've gone on for a long time, yeah. uh, which is great, uh, but let's go ahead and start wrapping things yeah, up great. here. So I like to finish these interviews and these conversations with words of wisdom. So mm -hmm. what would be your words of wisdom for our listeners here today? Well, aside from listening back to everything Marie has already said, <laughs> 10 points for 10. <laughs> Gold star. Yeah. I, I almost always respond to this question in the same way. And it has to do with taking the ideas that we've been exploring here, which at this point only exist as conceptual um, snippets. I mean, mm -hmm. they're, they might even be beautiful ideas, but they're still just ideas. Taking what resonates. Anyone who's listening to this, I encourage you to take what lit something up inside of you and then bring it into the experience of your life. Test it out. Find a way to make it yours and live inside of it for a while to see what happens. Because the reality is that only by doing this can you even begin to get a sense for the reality that we've discussed. Um, and it'll look totally different for you individually than it does mm -hmm. for Marie, than mm -hmm. it does for me. Mm -hmm. um, and that is precisely why it's so important that each of us explores it for ourselves so that we can continue to create and continue to bring these beautifully original and complex beings that we are online in this life. Yeah. I mean, that's been my journey. I know that's been your journey. And, and both of our work revolves around this, yes. like empowering people to be their authentic, unique selves. And there is nothing as profound and powerful as stepping into who you are without any sense of holding back or needing to ascribe to any belief yes. or any any format that people have told you you have to live in to exist. It is um, the most liberating thing and it allows you to step into your own elegance yes. and what was the second word? I forgot it. Already. Elegance and authenticity. And authenticity. <laughs> yes. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. That's the most exciting thing. This has to be experienced until it's experienced. It's just an idea and it can't really penetrate the reality of your life until it's lived into. So Lived thank you for giving it. me the opportunity. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Tim. This was wonderful. Thank you guys for tuning in. And that's a wrap. All right. <laughs>Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode on this thing called movement. I'm your host, Marie Janicek. And if you're interested in connecting with me directly, you can find me on Facebook under the name Marie Janicek and on Instagram at Marie Janicek. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave us a review and make sure to share with your friends and family. In the meantime, I can't wait to connect with you all next week when we bring on our next guest. Until then, make sure to get out there and move. <laughs>